how do I, in quotes, back paddle, okay, back paddle, <laughs> on a prohibited transaction? Under Secure 2.0, there is actually a f- official correction procedure program being laid out by the Department of Labor in connection with the IRS, where you can collect correct errors that you made in your IRA. Yes, you can own precious metals like silver in your self-directed IRA, but you cannot have physical possession of the precious metals. Can directed IRA only hold cash in our accounts? Let me work backwards on that. Yeah. No, directed IRA, you could you can own stock directly in your account with directed. So you can just submit a direction investment form and just go buy a mutual fund or an ETF or a specific stock that's held in your account. Okay, well, let me hit some of the questions here. These are some of the pre-submitted questions. Appreciate everyone sending those in. You can always submit questions, by the way, for the podcast at directedira.com slash podcast. Ask a question there. That's where we redirected everyone today for the webinar to ask their questions. All right. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to rapid fire questions here. Uh, Diane asks, am I too late to convert some of my self-directed IRA to a Roth IRA for 2023? Mm-hmm. Yes, you are too late for 2023. Although you can make 2023 contributions until April 15th, you cannot do 2023 conversions. Now you can still convert your Roth or this traditional account, Diane, over to Roth today, tomorrow, next week, whenever the heck you want but we're now in 2024. So it's considered a conversion for 2024 and you're going to get a 1099 for 2024. Now, I don't know your tax situation. Maybe you're in a low income year for 2023 and you would rather have had that taxable income for the conversion in 2023. But the good news for anybody converting now is, well, you don't have to worry about this till paying that tax till April 15th of 2025, because that's going to be a 1099 for tax year 2024 for what you're converting now. So you're stable to convert, Diane. Um, if you're, but so don't worry about it, but you can still convert. It's just going to be on a 2024 conversion. Okay. Raj asked, what are key points to consider when dealing with an inherited Roth IRA? Also, can I transfer an inherited Roth IRA to a self-directed Roth IRA? Yes, you can. So an inherited Roth IRA can be self-directed. It's just a self-directed inherited Roth IRA. So at directedira.com, we have an inherited Roth IRA. IRA option. I'll have the team drop that in the chat here where you can establish an inherited Roth IRA at directed IRA. Now, let's say you already have an inherited Roth account opened up at TD Ameritrade. We can just transfer that account over. It's now an inherited Roth IRA at directed IRA. Now, one of the unique things about inherited IRAs is those accounts uh, require distributions depending on when the person passed away, they inherited the account from. So I don't know how long you've had this inherited or the year of their death. The rules have changed over time here. Our team can help you understand those, but you might have to start taking a piece of that out every year over 10 years. You might have a 10 year window where you can keep investing that, but at year 10, you got to distribute it. Or this might be a stretch IRA if you've inherited this account before like 2020. And so it kind of depends Thank our government and the the nonsense in the tax code because the inherited accounts have changed in the last few years three times, actually twice. So there's three different sets of rules, the old rules, the interim rules, and now the new rules. So, um, But those inherited IRAs can be invested. The one thing that's unique about an inherited account for most people now is you have this 10-year window. So if you inherited that account last year, that inherited account lasts for 10 years. And at the end of 10 years, there will need to be a distribution. So that's the only thing is just make sure you're not an investment that you can't get out in 10 years. Most people for stocks and mutual funds, it's not a big of a deal. But when you're self-directing, you just might have to have some foresight into that to think, all right, am I going to be out of this deal within my window here on the inherited Roth IRA? Um, Also, do I need to take RMD on this? Some inherited IRAs you do, it depends on the, the uh, whether the deceased was in RMD when they died and when you inherited the account. If so, you have to take RMD. I know this might be a lot, but I'm just saying complicated rules in this. Our team at Directed can help look at your situation and we can certainly help with an inherited Roth. And yes, you can self-direct it. All right. Chet asked, longtime listener, in your recent podcast, first time caller, uh, Chet, uh, or maybe a second time, I don't know. Uh, on last podcast on solo case, you mentioned employee deferral for those 50 uh, under 50 is 22.5. And that is the limit across all 401k plan one participates in. My first question is, is the employer match also included in the 66,000 limit? Um, so the, the way that 401k plans work 
and this is for all deferred contribution plans in general. In the retirement account space for employer-based plans, you have deferred contribution plans like 401ks or 403bs and deferred benefit plans like pension plans or sometimes cash balance plans. In the 401k world, deferred contribution, the employee contribution max is per person. So that 22.5, no matter how many 401ks you have in a, in a job, you can do 22.5 on the employee side. The difference of 22.5 to 66,000, which is, I think, 43,500, is employer contribution, or sometimes you could call it the match, but this is the employer putting money in. That is not always 43,500. So the so that company, you could be doing 43,500, and you could possibly be doing up to another 66,000 in another 401k plan that's all employer contributions, but you need to have legit earnings and a plan in that. And this is more advanced planning, by the way. Um, this is more tax lawyer, CPA type stuff where you're going to want to get a consult. Um, this is a little over what you should expect any of your IRA companies, whether this is us, another self-directed company, Fidelity, to be able to get into details with you on. So uh, what I would say, Chet, is you need a consult. If you're really trying to put that much money away in a retirement account, make sure you're doing it right. You can afford it and get with one of the tax lawyers at KQS Lawyers, our firm. Um, they can help walk you through that and figure out a strategy in your situation. Um, all right, Kyle in Texas. I'm just going rapid fire. If you see anything you love, Aaron, you let me know. I got a few. Okay. Kyle from Texas says, howdy from Texas. I created a self-directed IRA with direct IRA in 2023. Is an IRA funded from a 401k rollover? What is the most tax advantage way to pay the annual account fees via funds in the account or through personal funds, such as a personal credit card? A great question. Um, you have the option of doing either one. You can pay your account fees at directed IRA or any retirement account provider from personal funds using a credit card and, and doing that, or you can have it deducted from the account. Now I have a rule of thumb. If it's Roth funds, always pay with a credit card or personal funds. Roth funds are after-tax funds, and those grow and come out totally tax-free later in retirement. So if I'm in my 50s, why would I want to be whittling away, or even my 40s, it doesn't matter, why do I want to be whittling away at this tax-free bucket of dollars that's going to come out totally tax-free to, to hit my account fees every year? I'd rather pay personally because I want to grow that tax-free bucket, and I want it to come out totally tax-free. Now, if, on the other hand, you are traditional funds, Remember, when you hit retirement, age 59 and a half, when you can start pulling this out, those traditional funds, you pay tax as you pull it out. So in that instance, on traditional funds, I'd rather have the account fees be paid by the account than me paying them personally because I have to pay tax on the way out from that account. Now, that's more for people in their 50s or later on in the investment cycle or 60s where where you've your only invest your investment horizon is less. It might be a 20, 30 year investment horizon at that point, as opposed to someone with 30 to 40 in their 30s or 40s. And so uh, for traditional accounts for people earlier on, if you think about it, I'd rather have that money doubling and tripling and compounding over time, even though I'm going to pay tax on the way out. So there's different ways to think about it. I just think the Roth is a no brainer, pay personally, traditional kind of lean to have the account pay for it. But if you're like, no, but I want to keep as much money rolling in the investment for the long haul for my long-term wealth building, cool. Then just pay that personally. And that makes sense for traditional accounts in particular. All right. I'm ready on a live question. Yeah, let's if do it. If you got a good one. Or so, you want, okay, you go. Yeah, yeah. So I so Arun asks, I have a SEP and a traditional IRA, both at Schwab. Can I combine them into one traditional IRA before moving this into one self-directed IRA or what should I do? Um, yes, that's what I would do. If you have a SEP IRA and a traditional IRA, those are both traditional sets of funds. I would probably just establish a self-directed traditional IRA. You can roll both of those funds into it. Now you combine them into one account. And now that traditional IRA can go make one particular investment with the combined funds. Otherwise you have to invest them separately you could do a SEP IRA at directed IRA and a traditional IRA at directed IRA, and now you're investing them separately. I mean, if you were buying stocks and mutual funds, that's not a big deal. But when you're going to buy like an alternative asset that might be, you know, it's one purchase price of a thing, or it's might be a couple things you're buying, it's easier to just consolidate it into one account. 
Now, if you're like, no, but I like the SEP and I want to keep doing SEP IRA contributions every year, then just do the SEP IRA. Set up a SEP IRA at Directed IRA and then roll over the SEP IRA and the traditional IRA into the SEP IRA. And then you can do new SEP IRA contributions in the SEP IRA. So a couple options there, but I think the easiest way to consolidate into one account. That was a good that was a good question. Thanks, Rune. All right. So Nyla asks, <laughs> this, is, this is interesting and this is good. Something to talk about. How do I, in quotes, back paddle, okay, back paddle <laughs> on a prohibited transaction that I may have done? <laughs> it could be as small as accidentally I paid, I paid wire fees with my personal account to purchase a coaching class or some other program where a disqualified person may benefit. <laughs> Mm. How do mm. I back paddle anything like that on a prohibited transaction? Okay. So let me say this, um, under secure 2.0, there is actually a f- official correction procedure program being laid out by the department of labor in connection with the IRS, where you can collect correct errors that you made in your IRA. This has not been fully rolled out yet. This is something that's been around in 401k plans and pension plans forever is 401k administrators could go and say, Hey, we screwed something up. Now, here's what we did. Here's how we fixed it, though. Can you just give us a slap on the wrist or let it go? And that's kind of how the retirement account for employer plans industry is operated. Well, over time, there's more money in IRAs now than 401ks and pension plans. The IRAs dominate the space, and it's individuals handling these, not professionals managing 401k plans and pension plans, and you get a lot of mistakes. <laughs> so I get it. Sometimes you do need to backpedal. We want to avoid that and be as educated as possible. So when Congress recognized this, and that's why this plant, this program was put out there. Now, I will say this. These are government programs. I would not expect much from them, especially at the beginning. And you run the risk of having them say, no, you jacked up, prohibited transaction, you lose the whole account. The whole account is distributed and is no longer an IRA. So in that instance, I would be careful using those programs. If you're in that situation, I get a consult with a lawyer. Do not call your IRA provider about this. Do not get into your account about that. That is not attorney-client privilege information. And they may feel compelled to act on your account. Be like, oh, you did this? We need to report that to the IRS. Don't talk to your accountant about it. I mean, could. It's nice to have a third-party professional advice, not attorney-client privilege information. You should talk to a tax lawyer or some lawyer that's familiar in those rules about that if you want to get specific in your situation. Now, as a general rule of thumb for everybody, I would say correct it immediately as soon as possible. If that was a loan to a disqualified person that purchased education or something, then get that loan paid back. Get it back in the retirement account and effectively correct it. And um, try the, the, what the goal is in any of the correction programs is Get the account back to the position it should be in if it didn't engage in the prohibited transaction or in the transaction that violated retirement account rules. So that's what I want you to do is get back to that position. Then you can decide how you want to approach it and uh, or if you want to run the risk of audit and then just trying to explain it in audit. You might be okay. I mean that's the thing. It's hard to tell in this. There's the cases in my own experiences are a little mixed on it and what would happen. So, but I think the best course of action is just correct it, just correct it. So, you know, moving forward, you've done it right. Your account's not out of compliance. And at some point the statute of limitations are passed. If you decide not to report it or seek a correction um, program with that new IRS program. So, uh, okay. I got, I got one actually, I'll, I'll take a crack at it and we'll see if you have any other comments. So Chad's asked a, a few times, thanks for submitting here and online Chad. He has a self-directed IRA. If hopefully it's with us at directed IRA, it's not, if, if not, it, it should be Chad. So I'll say if you're listening right now, live, apparently you are, and you're in between investments and you have a checkbook IRA LLC with about 700 grand. Congratulations. And I'm curious if you know where I can put this money to get high yield interest rate that some banks are offering on savings accounts. So what I would say is th- there, there are a few options since you do have checkbook IRA LLC, you have that checkbook control. It's a little difficult now because some of the, the um, broker dealers have, you know, are not allowing that. Um, but if you give us a call and you have an account, a directed IRA, then we, we have a few options for you and would love to, to go over that with you um, of what we figured out. That, that works best, but it's specific to having an account at directed IRA. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you have anything else you'd like to comment on that? 
Um, sorry, I was reading the next question. So, but I, uh, I, I like the TradeStation option. We yeah. have a relationship with TradeStation where you can have a trading account in the name of your IRA. Guys, you can also have just buy stock or an ETF mm-hmm. in your account directly without even having a TradeStation trading account established. So you can buy publicly traded stocks and mutual funds here if you want. So just know that's an option and that's something you can do with a simple direction investment of form and we hold it. Now, I like that option and even I do that when I'm between alternative investments with my own account. Um, but if you're like, no, Matt, I want to trade it like – Every week I want to look at it. Maybe I want to buy Microsoft and sell out of Apple or um, you like to tinker and trade. Okay, then do the TradeStation account um, and we can link. So your IRA LLC is owned by your directed IRA account and you have a checking account at that IRA LLC. You'll send the money back to your directed IRA account and we fund your TradeStation trading account. Or you can send the money back to your directed IRA account. And we will go purchase whatever stock or ETF you want right out of your account. And then, of course, when you're ready to pull on an alternative investment, you sell it. goes back to your IRA in cash. And we'll transfer ACH the money back to your LLC checking account. It's pretty easy. Rather than having to get to so many other companies, establish your own brokerage trading account. That's all messy. Clients mess it up. They get weird tax reporting. People don't know it's an IRA. It's a mess. That's why we've offered still traditional investments like stocks, bonds, and mutual funds in your account. And also for those of you who have an IRA LLC, you have this trade station option where it's basically the same thing as a brokerage trading account in your IRA LLC. We just link it to your IRA directly. You pass the money through us and you have day-to-day trading authority. You can trade in the middle of the night if you want and day trade all day long with your IRA. Ooh, I have like two really good ones. You let me know when you want to go back to the okay the other, but you tell me, what do you want to do? Um, Let's hit that. Let's hit the okay. good ones. I got one. And this is a good, cause you, there's some, um, yeah. So Tom asked, can you buy silver, precious metals, gold, silver with a self-directed IRA LLC yeah. and physically hold the silver or gold? Uh, yes, no. <laughs> so yes, you can own precious metals like silver in your self-directed IRA, but you cannot have physical possession of the precious metals. There are companies out there on freaking AM radio telling you, you can buy gold in your IRA and store it at your home. Well, you know what happened? The IRS came after those people, distributed a lot of those people's accounts that did that. And now those accounts, those precious metals are no longer in their IRA and they got a 1099 from their IRA provider, or they got enforcement procedures from the IRS. Don't do that. There is a physical possession requirement and storage requirement for precious metals that is in the tax code. It's in my book on precious metals. Um, in that chapter about storage requirements, it needs to be with a bank or trust company um, or someone qualified to store metals. There's a lot of issues in our industry right now on this and a lot of noncompliance and some problems going on. We don't deal much in precious metals or never dipped our toe into the store your metals at home type thing and thinking there's some exception. It's just not been something we've agreed with. So, um, be careful in that strategy. <laughs> if you could get the gist of what I was saying there. Uh, if you want to buy precious metals in your retirement account, they just have to be stored at, a, at another third-party bank or trust company. We use Delaware Depository Trust Company in Delaware. They've been doing it for a long time. They're a licensed, regulated provider for precious metal storage specifically. Um, a lot of the big companies in our space use it. So, That's just one of the downsides. And I know a lot of people that precious metals are like, no, dude, not interested then. I want to hold the metals. I want to like under the mattress type thing. Then don't do it with your IRA. It's just not a good purchase for your IRA. Do that with your non-IRA funds. Um, If you want to buy the precious metals and have physical metals for the investment value of it, and you're okay with it being at a third party, then that's what can work for your IRA. You can go onto our website and see our fees and what the... Um, that looks like for precious metal storage as well. It's yeah. right on our website under our investment forms for precious metals. Okay. Bill has a good question on fair market valuations and that's, that's coming up, you know, so those, okay. are, those are due. So he has an account at directed IRA. Thank you, Bill. Uh, do I need to complete a fair market valuation every year or only in the year and every year thereafter when I'm required to start taking uh, required minimum distributions. And we probably should tell everybody what a fair market valuation is too, for yeah. those that don't know. So there's something called a fair market valuation that is helpful on your account to update the value of what your account is. Now, let's think of some instances why that matters. Let's say you want to do a Roth conversion of your account. You have traditional dollars. They're invested in a piece of real estate or they're invested in an LLC. We don't know what the daily value of that is. We don't know the value of it when there's a Roth conversion. So we need to have an updated fair market value at the time you want to do a Roth conversion. 
Maybe you want to take an in-kind distribution of an asset. We also need to know the fair market value of that. This is going on a tax form, a 1099, and you can distribute out the asset. Let's say it's real estate your IRA owns that you bought for $100,000. It's now worth two hundred, dollars And you're like, oh, I want to take that out of my IRA. I want to go stay at that property. Okay, you could do that. I'm not saying that's what I recommend that, but you can do that. We need a fair market value and appraisal of that property to update the value so we can distribute it to you at, at the current updated value. Now, there's something called an annual valuation that we do request that says, hey, what's the value of your account at the end of the year? We want to update your statements, and we also want to update information that we send to the IRS on your account on what's called a Form 5498. So every IRA account that's here, we file a Form 5498 to the IRS in May for the prior year saying, hey, here's the value of all of these accounts that we have for each one. Here's what they contributed for their account. Here's what they took out from their account. And here's an update as to the value of the account. Now, if you're TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or XYZ Bank and Trust doing stocks and mutual funds, the fair market valuable is determined every day. At midnight on December 31st, they know what the year-end value was of all those assets because it's computer-generated. It's traded daily. But for private self-directed assets, we don't know. (laughs) We just carry the last time you updated the valuation on our books and your statements. So the annual valuation is nice to have. We request it. We will eventually hold your feet to the fire to get it from you. But you, it's not necessary to have it every year. I'm just saying – you're not like out of compliance by not doing it every year. We like to do it every year because we like to be updated as possible. And if you know what I mean, I'm trying to for my team and everybody know I want to get it. But are we going to close your account or report you to the IRS or anything negative for not getting it? No. And what the IRS has said, this was about 20 years ago when, when there started getting enough assets, people were owning LLCs, limited partnerships, and non-publicly traded assets in their IRAs. The industry association for our industry asked, how the heck are we supposed to report this on and year-end valuations? And the IRS's response was, use your best efforts. Give us the best value you can. So that's kind of what we've done. We require it when you're doing a Roth conversion or an in-kind distribution. Um, even at RMD, we want an updated value. Um, but you can just do your own fair market annual valuation um, because that's just determining your total value of, for what you're going to take RMD for. It's not determining a final taxable situation. So uh, for everyone else, though, just do your annual valuations. You can self-certify them. Give us some backing of how that backs it up. We have a worksheet and easy forms to fill that out. And for you and your purpose, it helps update your account with the IRS um, so that you they can see your account slowly going like this rather than, us holding your account at $100,000 and then 10 years later, it's $700,000. And the IRS was like, well, what the hell happened? You know, not that they do that, but you just don't want to surprise the IRS. So uh, there you go. That was my stump speech on huh? FMVs. No, <laughs> I mean, it's important. Thank you. That was good. Uh, Tamara asked, this is a really good question and we'll have to g- give some structure behind it as well. So Tamara asked, I'd like to purchase a piece uh, of real estate with a partner, I want to use my Roth IRA. He will be using non-Roth funds for his portion. How what? How do I need to structure this? What do I need to do to keep my portion of profits tax-free once we do sell the property? Okay, great question. So this is Tamara? Yeah. Okay, so Tamara, what you're going to do is a multi-member IRA LLC. Um, our law firm, related law firm, KQS Lawyers, and I say our – so I have a law firm with my partner, Mark, that we do these LLCs. That LLC is going to have your Roth IRA as a partner and an owner and your partner here that's coming in with cash as an owner. Now, you're going to break up the ownership in that LLC, presumably on dollars invested, or maybe your partner's doing the work and getting some ownership for that. I don't know the deal. And what's going to happen is the partnership's going to get the money. It's going to have its own bank account. It's going to go buy the asset, the property. It's going to get the income from the asset, whether it's rental property or gain when the property sells, and that goes back into the LLC bank account. Now, let's say you're 50-50. Half that's going to go back to your Roth IRA. Half of that goes to your partner. Now, the, the LLC is going to do a tax return. It's going to do a partnership tax return, which is a it's a Form 1065. Like individuals, you file your 1040, right? LLCs that are partnerships with more than one owner file a 1065. And it says, here's all the income. Here's these the expenses. And here's how much went to this partner. Here's how much went to that partner. Now, the, the, the form you're going to get that says, here's how much went to this partner is called a K-1. Your K-1 is going to your Roth IRA. 
which doesn't pay tax. <laughs> your partner's K-1 is going to go to them personally, which is going to go on their 1040. Okay, so the partnership's going to file it, and then it's going to break up the income and the tax liability over to your Roth and to your partner who will have to put it on their taxes. That's how it'll work. Love it. Um, go back here. Yeah, let me got a question from Alan. If you want to find the next ones that are good, I'll get I'll pull some from here that I liked. Yep. Um, Alan asks, I have a self-directed IRA. Can or how would I apply for credit cards for to purchase products mm. for e-commerce sites that my retirement account owns? <laughs> okay, don't do that. All right. Your IRA could own an e-commerce store. It could cause you a bit. Um, so you want to make sure you understand that or what how the, that deal is structured, which is, could be a tax the IRS to pay. Um, and this is a really important point though, about this question about credit cards, your IRA cannot get a credit card. And the reason why is in the fine print of every credit card for a small business, whether it's an LLC or your, just your IRA trying to get it directly is you're going to personally guarantee it. They're going to run your personal credit. This is not like a big company that has established business credit. This is a brand new entity owned by your IRA. So you're not going to get a credit card for your IRA. Now, if you did an IRA LLC, you could have an LLC checking account. That checking account could have a debit card where you're using the cash that's in the LLC checking account. That's okay. And lots of clients do that, whether you're rehabbing a property and you're buying materials and supplies and whatever, you're paying um, you know, people to do maintenance on the property, or it's, you know, it's attached to the utilities or the landscape or whatever. I mean, that's fine. Use a debit card using the IRA LLC's cash, but don't get a line of credit. That causes what's called an extension of credit prohibited transaction. So what if your IRA or IRA LLC is out investing or doing business, you cannot provide your personal credit to the IRA or the IRA LLC. That causes this extension of credit prohibited transaction. Love that. Um, okay, so... Um, oh, okay. Or can you just buy from? Okay, this is a good follow up question. So the one that you just went over on structure on the multi member IRA LLC with Tamra, Weston is asking a follow up question. Love the the live uh, engagement. Do you have to do this structure with your IRA as the member, or can you just have them buy it in their LLC and then your IRA signs a JV agreement for its portion of contribution? Could you do a JV agreement? on the deal. What was the first part of that? I don't so, understand the structure so, from the first part. So, uh, he wants to use his LLC cause he, he's buying, doing it with personal funds. She's going to use her IRA. Do you have to do a multi-member or could you just oh. go and do a joint venture agreement instead? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. no, you don't have to do a multi-member, but I will say joint venture agreements are very difficult to get through any IRA custodian, even at directed. Cause they're always a mess. Um, a lot of self-directed custodians will reject them and just don't allow them as an asset. So, um, and there's a couple reasons why. One is um, in a joint venture agreement, and just this is Matt Lawyer here for a second, is you take liability. You have responsibility. There's no liability protection. There's no LLC protecting you, no corporate entity, nothing. That IRA is out there. And if it's like a rehab project, a property you're flipping, I don't like that. If it's your IRA lending someone money, I don't really care. It's kind of, you know, there's not liability for lending, but ownership of an asset where you have responsibility for care and someone getting hurt on the property, a worker, a tenant. Eh, I don't know that I love you just owning in a joint venture, which creates what's called a general partnership. So what I'd recommend is probably doing just a single member LLC. So that IRA investor has their own LLC. They own hundred percent. That IRA LLC JVs with your LLC and now you're off and running. And that's so much easier. They've got their LLC protecting them, just like you have your LLC protecting you. And your LLC is going on a joint venture on a deal. And it's at the LLC level, not at the IRA level. But the IRA owns the LLC for the IRA owner. Great question. Great answer. Um, all right. I got a question from Laurie here. Um, Laurie asks, can we just add 100K to the Roth IRA and wait 25 years without doing anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you pulled this one, Tristan. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no, Laura, you, Laura, you cannot do that. I would love to do that. Just throw hundred K in the Roth IRA and be like, yeah, that's my contributions for the next 25 years. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, you can't do that. So the most you can get in is seven K a year. If you're 50 or older, you can do 8,000 a year. Now these are the 2024 contribution rules. Now, remember right now, if you didn't contribute for 23, you can still do your 6,500, 7,500, depending on your 50 year older 
under 50 or over 50. Um, so you can still make your 2023 contributions and 2024 contributions. Um, but no, you can't do more than that uh, in terms of getting money into the Roth. The alternative, I would say, is if anyone's self-employed with no employees, you could do a solo 401k and do 66000 of Roth. And for 2024, that, so 2023, you could do 66000 2024, you could do 69000 So, Laurie, the only chance I would say here is – if you're self-employed, maybe, and you have high income, you know, if you're able to put 100k in, uh, look at maybe doing a solo 401k, and we can at least get you to 69,000 a year as opposed to 100. Um, all right. Oh no, that was Eddie's question. Sorry. Yeah, Lori. That, that Lori has Eddie's the question. HSA. Lori asked the HSA question with 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 not with us. I know, Lori. You're, you're, we're we're, we're, we're going to answer this I know now. who Lori is, and you're breaking my heart that <laughs> yeah. you still haven't moved your account. You're using someone else. I'm, I'm not even going to say their name. Um, That's how nice she, we are. She has a self, self-directed self IRA with not the number one company in the space, the best. She's not using directed IRA. Um, that is a checkbook LLC. So she got an IRA LLC. I turned 65 in 2026. I plan to start uh, Medicare and delay Social Security until 70. Okay. Um, so what would be the maximum contribution amount to my self-directed HSA for 2025? Is there a six month look back on Medicare? Um, what is medic? What is a Medicare HSA is advantageous to have one? Can my self-directed HSA be converted to one? Does corporate transparency act require documentation to be okay? Laurie, you need to get back with a consult with KKO lawyers on these HSA questions. So, um, HSAs are a little unique in that once you're on Medicare, which you're eligible for at 65, and even at 65, you cannot make contributions to an HSA. I actually don't know the answer to your question. We'd have to look that up. Maybe someone on the team can look that up. Is if you made it in 2025, is there a six-month look back on Medicare? I've never heard of that. I don't know where that's coming from. I would think you could still contribute to the HSA in 2025 because that's when you're 64. So I'm not familiar with the six-month look back for the HSA contribution. Now there are look back rules for Medicare and stuff like that for your assets, particularly for Medicaid, but that doesn't seem relevant to a HSA contribution. Um, and I'm not familiar with Medicare HSA and whether you should have one or not. As to the corporate transparency Act question though, let me answer that. Anybody that has, any of you that have a self-directed IRA LLC, an HSA LLC, a 401k LLC, you need to comply with this corporate transparency act this is where you're filing what's called a BOI report, business owner information report to the federal government, to an agency called FinCEN. You're basically disclosing that this is an LLC that exists. Here's who manages it and, and owns it, which if it's your IRA, the IRS wants to know who's the beneficial owner at the end of the day. It's you. Who's the manager? It's you. Okay, so your name is going to go on this, on the BOI report. You can go to FinCEN.gov. I've done them for some of my own entities myself. They're not that complicated. You could really get it done in five to 10 minutes. Uh, now, we do have our law firm that does these for you or our business compliance company, Main Street Business Services, that handles these for 10,000 plus clients. Uh, so you get a Main Street business there if you need any help on doing Corporate Transparency Act compliance. But everybody that has an IRLLC, you need to comply with the Corporate Transparency Act and file this BOI report on behalf of the LLC. It's called a BOI report. Go to FinCEN.gov. If we can drop that in the chat, if it hasn't already, that's where you'll need to go to uh, comply with that. Now, you have until the end of the year. So this law had passed two or three years ago. It finally went into effect in 2024, and they gave everyone that has an existing LLC until the end of 2024. So, But starting January 1st, 2025, the federal government expects you've done this. Uh, so make sure you're on it and paying attention. And Laurie, sorry, you will need to file this. Let us know uh, at our team here if you need help getting that done. You want me to rapid fire? Yes. Pamela asks, can I deduct property taxes on my personal taxes paid on my rental real estate that I purchased with my self-directed IRA? Pamela, <laughs> I wish it were so. No. Uh, and here's what the IRS would say about that. Oh, you want to take the expenses personally? Why don't you pick up the income on your 1042 from that rental property? So you got to take, you know, if the IRA gets the no tax world for the income, you also don't get the expenses either because it's living in a no tax area. It's not hitting your 1040 at all for income or expenses, but you don't get to pick and choose and say, 
but I'd like to take the expenses on my 1040 and be like, and I'll leave the income off. No, no, no. You don't get to do that. Okay. It's one or the other. Either you're using your IRA and it's not on your 1040 for income or expenses, or you're buying it personally and you got the income, but you get to take the expenses on your 1040. So I wish there was a way around that and a smart tax lawyer, uh, but Congress thought of that and no, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Gerard asks, um, I have a S corp with the solo 401k when the S corp employer match is Roth and I have to take a 1099 R will that trigger the five year for a conversion? Um, uh, all right, Gerard, good question. This is a new rule that came out by the way, in the last 60 days. So just to bring everyone else up to speed to Gerard for asking an honors level question (laughs) on the open forum. I appreciate this. I guarantee you 99% of tax lawyers and CPAs would have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But we're getting it here on the open forum and getting started. Okay. So, (laughs) um, so here's what's gone. So, Secure 2.0, I've mentioned this before in today's open form already. There's a number of laws that change for retirement accounts. One of the cool things was employer contributions could be Roth. So you could always do employee contributions as Roth in 401k plans, but you couldn't do employer contributions as Roth. They had to be traditional. You could make them traditional and then convert them to Roth, but they had to always start as traditional. Well, in Secure 2.0, they changed that and said, actually, you could do employer Roth contributions from day one. Everyone's like, well, how the heck are we going to report that? Because a company needs to expense the contribution it's putting in for the employee. They want to, ex- they have to expense that. It comes off of their payroll. But it's after tax dollars, the, employ- the employee who owns the account needs to pay taxes on it. If it's Roth, it's after tax dollars. They haven't been taxed yet. So how do we deal with that? Well, the IRS answered that 60 days ago and said, What's going to happen is the plan will need to send a 1099-R to the employee for the dollar amount of the employer Roth countries. So the employer put in $20,000 of Roth contributions. They'll deduct $20,000 on their tax return, and they're going to send you a 1099-R for that $20,000, which makes it after-tax Roth dollars. So it's Roth dollars now in your 401k. Now, Gerard's asking, is there a five-year rule on that? I don't think so. It doesn't make sense that there would be. There's a five-year rule on Roth conversions where you have five years before you can take that money out in a tax-free manner. Even if you're not, even if you're 59 and a half, you still have to wait five years for any Roth conversions to pull out. So I think in this instance, it's not a conversion. So the the five-year Roth conversion rule wouldn't apply. Um, unless I just don't think that's the case, but I don't know that off bat. And I don't know if that's in the guidance set from the IRS, but my guess is no. That's my best answer. <laughs> Matt, when does, so let's stay on that Roth five-year period. When does that start when the account is opened or funded? So there's a lot of five-year rules. So there's a five-year Roth IRA rule. There's a five-year Roth 401k rule, and there's a five-year conversion rule. Okay. So this is advanced Roth. Yeah, yeah. Let me go over the five-year Roth, though, each three of those. The five-year Roth rule is basically you have to have a Roth IRA for five years before you can pull the money out tax-free. So for example, let's say you're 57 and you're like, I'm going to set up a Roth IRA. And um, cool. Well, now you're 62. It's three or four years later. And you're like, I want to pull money out of that. <laughs> Congress is, sorry. Uh, sorry, we got some like, I, we got some like coughs in here and I'm like so bad at like focus. What was I talking about? Roth IRAs. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. So, if you have a Roth IRA, new account, you're 57, I think is the example I gave. Yes. You're 62. Actually, let me say you're 61. So just four years have passed. You're like, I want to take distributions now. Great. You're past 59 and a half, no 10% early withdrawal penalty, but you haven't had the Roth for five years. Okay. So it's not a tax-free distribution. So you've got to satisfy both being 59 and a half and having a Roth IRA in existence for five years. Now, the five-year rule for Roth IRAs is only about one account. So like, let's say you have 10 Roth IRAs. We only look at when did you have the first Roth IRA? Well, as long as five years have passed since you made your first Roth IRA and you made a $1 contribution, that clock ticks for five years. So I think for most people doing Roth accounts, that's not a big deal. 
right? Like I'm going to invest it for five years. I'm going to try and grow it for more than five years. So that's the first Roth IRA five-year rule. The second five-year rule is the same thing, but for 401ks. So you have a second rule just to satisfy your Roth 401k. So you have a Roth 401k also must be in existence for five years before you can take tax-free distributions, which even if you're 59 and a half, again, you're 62, you start us at 57, you still got to go through that. Uh, you have to have that Roth 401k for five years. You don't get to count your Roth IRA start date. The Roth 401k gets its own start date. Then the third one, five-year rule, for anyone that's still listening and still there on this, hanging in on with me on it, is the Roth conversion five-year rule, which is every time you do a Roth conversion, a five-year window clocks for that conversion. Now, the reason for that was is let's say you are 65 and you're like, I've got uh, – well, let me, say, let me say this. Let's say that you're in your – Let's say you're in your 50s. That'd be good. And you're like, all right, I got a hundred thousand dollar account. I want to get it out of my uh I want to get it out. Well, every time you so I'm gonna convert it from traditional to Roth. Okay, so let's say you converted ten thousand of that the first year. All right, now that ten thousand chunk, you gotta wait five years before it can come out with no tax. Same thing for the next 10,000. So every time you convert, there's a five-year rule that applies to every conversion before it comes back out tax-free. That's the basis of that and the investment growth that comes after it. So those are the three different five-year Roth rules. Roth IRA, Roth 401k, and Roth conversion. That was a great summary, much like how we get three-part questions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Chad, this is a good question. Not a client of Directed IRA yet. He's with another company. But that's okay because we're going to answer your question and have you move. He wants to know, can I switch over to you guys without too much trouble? I already have my checkbook IRA LLC set up through Wells Fargo as well. It's at blank, blank, blank group uh, custodian currently, which I know that we know who that is. But yes, you can switch over. Another person listening to our stuff, asking questions here that uses another company. Guys, breaking my heart. Uh, I know they won't, they won't answer the questions over there. That's why I'm being cheated on, (laughs) you know, but you're still going, you're still dating us, Yeah, you know, just move over. (laughs) Yeah. Like ask those questions. Um, no, I love the question because you want to come over here. So I appreciate that. Um, and Laurie, you need to do the same. All right. Um, it's easy guys. You open an account online with this and particularly for those, you have the IRA LLC structure. It's so simple. You open an account online with us. Our team's amazing. You get to work with them. And then we submit a transfer request. And all they do is an assignment of the LLC interest. The LLC stays the same. Your LLC checking account stays the same. All the assets thrown by the LLC stay the same. Nothing changes except your underlying custodian is now directed IRA instead of not the number one company in the space, whatever other one you chose. So um, so it's a pretty simple thing. And the nice thing, for particularly for IRA LLCs, is your assets don't move. You don't need to retitle your assets. They're still in the LLC's name. Your LLC checking account doesn't need to change. Easy. Love it. And because Weston has been such good at participating, we're going to pop up to your question now. And thank you, Weston. He did what you just outlined with us, and it was very simple. So thank you. Thank you, Weston. Yeah. Let's, let's right, answer so, two questions of Weston. Yeah, yeah there you go, <laughs> Weston. If you have two you questions, two just questions. fired in there. So we got one from you. It says, if we invest in I use my solo 401k, and I'm making contributions on all the good years I'm making income, and let's say I have a tax write-off in that year, can we then convert all those funds to our Roth IRAs in the next year when we show more of a loss and not have to pay the taxes on it since we showed a loss. If Wait, not, sorry, you got to start over on that one yeah, for yeah. me. Yep. All right. So he has a solo 401k on all the good years. He's making income, making those, con- yeah, making yeah. those new contributions, um, you know, to minimize his taxes. Yep. yep. And good. then says, and then I have an off year. Okay. Can we convert all our, those funds to Roth IRAs in that next year to show more of a loss. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Great strategy. So when your years are great, you know, and this t- typically a lot of our real estate clients are notorious for this is they're looking for tax write-offs at the end of the year. So they're doing traditional contributions, whether this is traditional solo K or just traditional IRA. They're, they're, they want the tax deductions because they're in a higher tax bracket. And then they have a tough year because real estate cyclical or maybe whatever industry you're in, it could be cyclical. And so 
Um, they have losses that year. They have more expenses than income, or they're just in a lower tax bracket. That's the perfect year to then convert those traditional dollars over to Roth. The nice thing about that is you you end up winning there because you got a deduction. You know, you might have been in a thirty five percent federal tax bracket when you made the contribution. So let's say you contributed ten thousand dollars. That saved you thirty five hundred dollars um, in taxes. But then you convert. A year later, in a down year, that same ten thousand, and let's say you're in a twenty five percent tax bracket. Now you only pay twenty five hundred bucks to convert that ten thousand. So you actually got a thousand dollars tax savings there by contributing in the higher tax years and converting in the lower tax years. So that could be a good strategic thing to do. I remember I had one really large client that did about seven hundred grand. Um, he was a real estate contractor developer. And had some big losses in one year and was like, I converted everything to Roth um, at that time. And now he's got a almost a $10 million account with us that is all Roth. And that was from about a six $700,000 um, conversion from traditional to Roth in a really bad tax year when all of his losses took care of the conversion. Love that. All right, Rick. Uh, if we need to close our brokerage account held by our IRA LLC and roll it back to directed IRA as the custodian, do we need to liquidate our stocks first? And the second part is, can will, can directed IRA only hold cash in our accounts? Okay, so let me work backwards on that. Yeah. No, directed IRA, you could, we, there's an earlier question on this. So you can own stock directly in your account with directed. So you can just submit a direction investment form and we just go buy a mutual fund or an ETF or a specific stock that's held in your account. And if you're like, I just want to buy and hold and not trade, that's what I would do. It's the easiest. Even some of my accounts in that when I'm between investments and deals. If you're like, no, I want a brokerage trading account that I can log into and day trade every day. We have a relationship with TradeStation where we can link a brokerage trading account to your IRA at directed IRA. Um, now in terms of, do I need to liquidate the account? Probably here's the problem. Why in your scenario, I need, I would say that, um, we can take what's called an ACAT transfer where we can transfer over the stock from an existing IRA to your IRA at directed. The problem is if you have an IRA LLC brokerage account, those stock are, are all held in an, in an LLC's name technically. So when you're trying to move those assets to an IRA, it becomes, creates a problem. And so I don't know that we could ACAT those over or transfer them without selling them over. Um, we'd have to look at your who you're using and, and go through that process to see if it's possible. Um, but I would say the easier way would be sell them, get it to cash. You probably, you may be in a place that has no trade fees and then come over and purchase the new assets with us. Sure, you might be out of the market for a few days or a week or something like that. Um, if that gives you heartburn, you know, maybe look at, um, see if we can, can a cap them over. But I just think the LLC might cause you a hang up because it's, it's not coming from IRA to IRA. It's coming from LLC to IRA and the titling is just different. So I just don't know that might cause a wrinkle in your scenario. How many more questions you want to do, Matt? Um, there's some other good questions here, actually. Hit um, and then we'll come back to some final questions in the chat for any of you here live. I appreciate all the questions by the, all the questions everybody submitted are pretty freaking awesome. Um, also great questions going on in the chat and hopefully our team's in there grabbing, uh, some of those others as well. Um, all right. Steve asked this, can a self-directed LLC purchase residential property for a million dollars with a rider for fixtures at $200,000? Okay. Oh, he also put that in the Q&A. Oh, did he? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yes, you could do that. So a self-directed IRA could purchase a residential rental property, totally fine, and it could buy fixtures. I don't know what these fixtures are, if this is like personal property or things attached to the property or whatever, but totally fine. That's That goes with the property. Um, and the IRA LLC could own that and be leasing that and renting that out. Um one thing that's important to know with um, there is a tax called UBIT, unrelated business income tax. Now there is an exemption for UBIT for residential rental property, for interest income, for capital gain income, for a lot of income an IRA is going to get. But this UBIT tax can apply to um, the leasing of personal property like equipment. So like I've had people 
who are equipment leasing companies. And they like their IRAs would buy heavy machinery and they'd lease it out to contractors. And when I talk to them, I'm like, guys, that's great in your day-to-day business. And you may be experts at knowing this and how, what the, where the margins are on the types of equipment versus what you could lease it to. And sure you could crush it with your IRA, but when you're doing it with your IRA, you're not in the equipment leasing business. You're in the equipment financing business. And if any of you have read a lease on a car, it looks like a financing document, (laughs) not like a lease. And so we switched their business model to an equipment financing business when they use their IRAs because they got interest income and points which are exempt from UBIT. So anybody leasing equipment, you need to be careful. You want to be try to be in the equipment finance business, not in the equipment leasing business, because equipment leasing as personal property will be subject to UBIT. Now, if you're leasing personal property that's on real property, the Congress and the IRS have said, that's just leasing real property. So even if there's some fixtures on it or some personal property, that's fine. You're leasing residential real property. It's exempt from you, but uh, that might not have been your question, Steve, but I elaborated there just, you know, just for fun. Yeah, good. I have two last ones. Okay. And I'll grab one last one from here. You want to do yours um, or come back to it? Here's let me, let me ask, I'll, I'll answer this one and then we'll come to those. So Dan asked, what is the breakdown of how much a business owner can contribute annually to their self-directed IRA as an employer and also employee. Okay, Dan, um, IRAs are individually based. That doesn't matter whether you're employee, employer, doesn't matter. So for a self-directed IRA, whether it's a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, it's seven grand. If you're 50 or older, it's eight grand. These are the 2024 numbers. 2023 is 6,500. Uh, 7,500 if you're 50 or older. That's your IRA annual contributions. Now remember right now, if you haven't made your 2023 contributions, you can still do 2023 and you can do 2024. You still get two years of contributions and at the IRA level. Now, for you business owners, you can do a solo 401k or a SEP IRA where you could be putting in 66,000 total for 2023 or 69,000 total for 2024. Now, this is if you're self-employed with no employees, the SEP IRA and the solo care, perfect for you. If you have employees, you're going to need a more robust 401k plan. By the way, if you do a SEP IRA and you have employees after two or three years, you have to include all the employees in it too. And you've got to throw in for them what you're throwing in for you. So you got to be careful if you have employees in a SEP IRA, but the SEP IRA and the solo care are really simple and easy. If you don't have any employees, it's just you and a business partner or a spouse or something in the business. They're great plans for that where you can drop 66K for 2023 and 69K for 2024. Look into our solo K webinar we did last month. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a number of solo K webinars getting into the details on how you contribute that much, how much income you need to have to meet the contributions, how to do Roth versus traditional, um, all those details on the solo 401k. So that's why I start for you there, Dan. Love it. All right. Okay. So this is a good question from Grigor and then we'll end with Tanya. Uh, I invested in some startup companies on some crowdfunding platforms like WeFunder, Republic, et cetera, with my self-directed Roth IRA LLC. So that's a single member okay. IRA LLC. Some of the companies then went public on the NASDAQ. Cool. What do I do now? Can I open a brokerage account? In the name of my LLC with you at Directed IRA, another person not at Directed IRA, just, you know, another person. Yeah. We're just going to hit that anyway, Grigor. Can I open the brokerage <laughs> account in my name of the LLC with Directed IRA and get these shares from my transfer agent to the brokerage account? So I've actually never done this at an, the LLC level. We've done it quite a bit for clients that have bought private companies that have gone public, and those are pretty easy. Um, we have, you, you need to coordinate with the transfer agent, but then it's, it's getting it over to the IRA's name. Um, and we have, a our, our, uh, publicly traded custody through fifth third bank, which is what we use. So, um, so we book it into your account that way. It's actually pretty easy because it pops in as a publicly traded asset, whether it's on the NASDAQ or wherever it is. Uh, there's a little bit of a process there, but that's, that's easy with the LLC, Um, my guess is we do a double, we do a two-step method here. Um, just because the LLC is going to cause you some heartache, frankly, owning the publicly traded stock, because I can just tell you all the transfer agents and everything. You're like, what's going on? Who, why is it going? So I probably want to do is move it from your LLC to your 
IRA and then have it re-registered from IRA with the for the public security. Um, and, and you're going to have to loop the transfer agent in on these two steps and explain it to them. Um, but that's definitely something we've done. I'm sure the team here, I don't know if there's anyone in the chat that's familiar with this on the LLC side. Um, I just know we've done it quite a bit for IRAs directly. So uh, definitely possible. It's cool. Usually you've made some good money there. So hopefully you were along for the ride and, and made some good money. And um, but I just worry the LLC is going to cause you some heartache in getting the transfer. Now, um, I don't know where that LLC brokerage account is at. Um, or actually, it's probably not a brokerage account because you just bought it privately. It's just, it's just a single member IRA yeah. LLC and he just... So you could probably actually... Here's the problem. You're going to have to have custody. That's the yeah. problem. The transfer agent is going to be, where's this public this stock going to be custody? And you're like, in my LLC's name. And they're like, no, who's the custodian of it? My LLC. No, no, no. You can't do that. So that's what he's at. I yeah. think that's probably what he's getting to. So you're probably going to need to move it. That's where you're going to need to move it into directed trust company. Um, our, you know, our name or X, Y, Z provider, you know, who's not helping you. So you come to our webinar. Yeah. So um, I'm just kidding. I'm just going to get my digs in guys. That's about, as, that's about as salty as you'll see Matt Sorensen. You know, I'm <laughs> just going to throw my little shots in there. Um, but we could help if you want to transfer your account over here. And then we'll do all the hard work, you know, to figure this out. We can do that too. And I'll be honest, that happens. I, in some ways, my team hates it. I'll, I'll be honest, but we are the people that know how to figure stuff out and do it. And sometimes we attract accounts once they're exceeded their custodian's competency, they come over here and we take care of it. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, let's end with Tanya. She recently transferred her traditional IRA to directed IRA. Thank you, Tanya. She converted to a Roth. We love that. I haven't taken the next step, though, to invest into anything. And I'm just looking for next steps on where I access things on your website or the forms or what's the process. And I'm I'm looking at crypto, trust deeds, and private lending. And can I do all of that? Um, yes, you could. Crypto is the one that's a little unique because with us, we have a specific crypto IRA account type. Now you can move a portion of your self-directed Roth IRA funds to a crypto Roth IRA for the piece you may be interested in buying crypto with. But the crypto accounts, because it's linked to a Gemini trading account and a wallet, are separate from your other self-directed assets. There's just no way to do that in the industry that, that makes sense. So we, we hold those as separate crypto IRA accounts. Now, the other stuff, the private money lending or trustee lending or real estate, what was the other stuff? It was, it was, the, it was private money and trustees. Okay. Yeah. So you could do that right out of the self-directed IRA. That would, of course, be an easy route. That's what I do with my money. I mean, right now, I'm just private lending my money at 12% interest in two points. I just went back out on a, on another loan last week. Um, and so what I would say is you just need to start networking with people. Um, and, I, and I'm going to challenge some people because especially if you've been used to just buying stocks and mutual funds, as an investor, you're just very private, right? You're like... I don't need to tell everyone I just bought the spy ETF. I don't need to tell everyone that I just bought some Google stock, right? You're like, I'm a little private about my money, but I'm telling you, if you want to be a private money lender, people need to know you're a private money lender. (laughs) Okay. You need to, I don't don't say you need to like advertise or anything, but like, are you in the real estate space? Does a real estate agent, you know, know that you do that? Does any property flippers, you know, do, do know that you do that? Do you go to any real estate investing events where there's people looking for money that have deals? I go to real estate events and speak all the time. And I tell people there's $35 trillion in, in retirement accounts, whether you want to use the money for of your own to go invest in real estate or whether you have deals for other people to lend or invest with you. There's a huge opportunity. After I speak, people line up to talk to me. Where are these people that have money in their IRAs that are looking for deals? They're on our webinars <laughs> in our podcasts. At our live events. <laughs> They're at our live events. And um, and so what I would recommend is go to some real estate groups. Go find the groups that you like. You know, I, I've spoke a lot with Pace Morby and his sub two group. I'm going to his squad up summit. Um, go to your local RIA. Um, get in the bigger pockets community. I mean, these are where there's a lot of real estate investors that have deals that are looking for money. The banks are tightening up. They're raising their rates. They're not lending to smaller investors anymore. They're just like, eh, we're scared. And so this is a huge opportunity for private money lenders. So that's what I do. 
the people I lend my money to are just people I've gotten to know from the business and the industry. And so um, I'm not out there advertising, of course. I just like you get to know people. So self-directing takes a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit and it's fun. It's cool. There's a lot of cool people out there and it becomes a cool thing because it's a win-win. You can make some money, make sure you're lending to good people and getting it secured against the property and you understand the deal and what they're doing. Do they have a track record, of course? And then it's a win for that investor too. They need your money. And then it's a win for that property that's rehabbed in that community that looked like a piece of turd in the neighborhood and everybody hated it. And now it's a new property being flipped or rented. Um, And so, because that's a lot where that private money lending is going right now is to fund acquisition and rehab of properties that are distressed. Um, Either there's a financial distress of a current seller or the property itself is in a terrible condition and can't be leased or or really sold. So um, so that's why I kind of love that strategy. It's just win, win, win. And it's a perfect opportunity for self-directed IRAs. Now, there's other places to go. Aaron, There's we've done some webinars with people yep. that do private money lending that teach it. Um, I know Kevin Shortell's done some stuff. Um, there's others that we've had too. So if you go through our, our list of stuff, you can look them up and ask them. Find them. You can hit them up. You can Google them, find their social, um, and hit them up too on, on their recognition Ooh. of where to find them. I have a really easy strategy if you're like listening so right now, for those of you that are still on for that, you have plenty of people, probably even neighbors of yours, probably even some like family members that aren't disqualified persons that are like fixing and flipping properties. You can come in and private money lend on those deals. Yeah. Like that's a great example. You can come in and either you could do the the rehab money, the, the, the fixing money, or you could come in on first position and lend the money for them to do acquisition. There's, there's just tons of deals, but like knowledge is power. So getting out there and networking, like Matt said, is like yeah. key. Yeah. And I'll just take an example. Just my lunch today was with a friend who I knew from 15 years ago. That's an insurance agent that's now gotten in, got bored being an insurance agent. Can you imagine? And he's flipping houses. He flipped seven houses last year. He needs private money lending to fund the rehab on those deals. He's a private money lender to acquire, but he needs, he needs private money lenders and uses them with IRAs to fund these. And so uh, as someone, I was like, he's just my friend, the insurance agent. I didn't know he flipped seven houses last year on the side because he got bored being an insurance agent. Oh, we do have a couple uh, trustee providers um, that refer us a lot of business at Directed IRA and come, come to our event. So you can kind of, you can go check out sdrasummit.com yeah. and you can figure out who they are by going on to, yeah. to the website and seeing, but they're, they're, you know, you're going into a trust deed, um, where they're, you know, uh, uh doing development projects at a, at a big level. So there's, yeah. there's lots of opportunities that you can do with trust deeds as well. Yeah. Um, and I'd say the other thing would be the Alt Asset Summit in the fall. Yes. And there's the recording of the last one where we went into to venture capital investing, private equity, commercial real estate, residential real estate, private lending and d- deal structuring. And there's experts in all those different areas that you could learn from. That was altassetsummit.com. That next event will be in October 24, October. 25 in yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. And I think everyone here that's kind of on this getting started, these are, there's some of these, some of pretty advanced questions actually here, but there's some good introductory global questions. If you haven't been to a self-directed IRA summit, get to the one in Dallas. We'd love to meet you and see you there. Get to sdrsummit.com to sign up for it. Um, it's just an awesome opportunity to learn and then just hear what other self-directed investors are doing. There'll be some of our clients there that have $10 million accounts. You'd never guess it. Million dollar accounts, hundred thousand dollar accounts, fifty thousand dollar accounts. They put in their first seven thousand dollar contribution type of accounts. There's a whole gamut of them, um, but it's a great place to just meet people and learn. For me, that's the best way I've learned over the years is just talking to real people doing real deals in their real life. You know, not like theoretical. You could do this or you could do that. Um, so get there to meet those awesome people and you know be there too for them to meet you. Oh, by the way, it's buy one get one until Saturday. I didn't know that was still running for general only. Buy one, get one. Dang, that's oh. a, that's a good little perk. Matt, we're still doing a real estate tax summit as well, aren't we, at some point? Yeah, I think the real estate tax summit's going to be in May. Yeah. After the self-directed IRA summit. And that'll just be at real estate. It's retaxsummit.com, virtual only. Yeah, it'll be all virtual. Um, Mark and I, my partner, Mark Kohler in the law firm, co-founder, directed to, and then um, a lot of the lawyers in the law firm, um, some other CPAs and enrolled agents that are experts too will be speaking. Uh, but that's like hardcore real estate tax. 
Um, but it's also got a lot of introductory stuff, particularly if you're new that are like, guys, you should know this stuff, but it goes pretty deep too. So for those of you that are more experienced and have assets, definitely professionals in the space that is, I can't think of any place more to just go deep on real real estate tax strategies, which using a self-directed retirement account is one of them. May 16 and 17. There you go. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Like I said, at the beginning of this, this is recorded. So you can come back to watch this later. Please share it with your friends and family. For those listening on the podcast, please give us a five-star review. If you're still listening right now, if you're still on, you made it over an hour listening to other people's questions about self-directed IRAs. I think you like it. So give us five-star review. We'd appreciate it. And um, of course, please make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. If you're not, you can get on it at directedira.com. And we'll be announcing all of our upcoming workshops, webinars, events, educational opportunities, any specials we have, um, and also providing educational content to you through articles and videos as well. We will see you next time. Until then, stay calm, self-direct on.